Welcome to From Crisis to Prevention, Powerful Stories for Change, a podcast by RentSmart. Every episode, we'll be talking with people who are working upstream to prevent housing instability and homelessness across Canada. Working upstream in the prevention space is key to building vibrant communities. And we are your hosts, Jess and Beth. This episode, we sit down to speak with Andrew Holton. Andrew is Director of Operations at Ready to Rent BC. Building on a background in small business management, Andrew has worked in the community and social enterprise sector for 18 years in operational, developmental, policy, and advocacy roles. Following a decade of frontline experience in BC and Ontario, his past positions include management roles in employment services, skills training, and youth programs. After serving as Director of Social Enterprise with the Learning Enrichment Foundation in Toronto, Andrew and his wife moved to Victoria in 2015. Prior to working at Ready to Rent, Andrew was a Program Director with the Community Social Planning Council of Greater Victoria. Listen in to learn about how RentSmart is rolling out in communities across the country and the key lessons learned. Andrew also talks about an exciting new initiative that mitigates discrimination in the housing sector, the Landlord Guarantee Fund. This will help support youth leaving care to find and maintain rental housing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Let's get started by just having you explain a bit about um, the organization you're with and your role there. Okay. Thanks, Jess. Uh, Happy to join you guys. So my name is Andrew Holton. I'm the director of operations with an organization called Ready to Rent BC. Um, We're best known, I think, for our RentSmart program, our our RentSmart model. Um, RentSmart is is a a model that provides people with education um, around renting, tenancy, life skills. um, And I'll go into a bit more detail about that. But in terms of my role, Director of operations means uh, I'm, I'm usually tied to my desk, uh, so it's nice to get out today, um, but really overseeing a lot of the, the day-to-day operations of the, of the organization and the program. Um, I do a lot of the connection with, uh, with some of the funders that we work with um, that help us develop and improve the model, as well as some of the provincial partners um, and, and the growing network of 600 plus community educators. Um, so yeah, I think my, my role is sort of like having a little bit of a, the bird's eye view of all the things that are going on um, and, and trying to keep those things, things moving. Great, Andrew, could you tell us a little bit more about the uh, different types of education that you offer? Sure. Um, so RentSmart is a, is a train-the-trainer model. So essentially what we do is we're training people who predominantly work in community organizations uh, and housing associations um, how to deliver some of the courses that we've designed. Um, because tenancy legislation is specific to each province, each province also sort of has its own version. So there's RentSmart BC, RentSmart Alberta, Ontario, and Manitoba. Um, so 
the the main course is the Rensmart Educator, and that's that is the course that people take. It's a four day training. It teaches them how to deliver the different courses. Um, what they learn is um, how to run uh, Rensmart Certificate, Rensmart Basics, and Rensmart Landlord. Uh, and I'll just give you a little breakdown on each one of those. Um, Rensmart Certificate is education for tenants. It's a 12-hour course that goes through um, not just rights and responsibilities, but also ha have a really positive, constructive relationship. It goes into some of the key skills like budgeting, taking care of a tenancy, um, communication skills, things to, to maintain in a house. A lot of those things that, you know, above and beyond legislation can be real tension points in tenancies. Um, the certificate is also recognized by landlords. So each person who completes that course gets that certificate. Uh, a lot of people will use that when they're looking for housing. Um, here in BC, BC Nonprofit Housing and BC Housing both recognize the certificate in their application processes. Um, so very, very effective. That is, you know, that's probably one of the biggest ones that we do. Um, we also have a three-hour course called RentSmart Basics. And again, that's a, that's a course for tenants. And that's introducing people to um, really, it is like an introductory course that covers sort of the three sort of components of how to have a successful tenancy. Uh, it's a pretty versatile course. Um, I think if, if I recall correctly, um, in 2018 calendar year, I think we had just over 600 people did the certificate course, uh, and I think we had about 500 people do the do the basics course. Um, so both courses are, are really useful, um, but they're, but they're slightly different, adaptable to different circumstances. Uh, and then the third course that the educators learn how to run is called RentSmart Landlord. Um, and that's really geared towards somewhat for housing providers, but, but also private market landlords who want to be part of the housing solution. So it's helping them understand a bit more about um, some of the challenges that people who, who may be vulnerable to housing instability are facing. Um, and it also goes, again, into that, you know, not so much rights and responsibilities, but really around the relationship and the importance of that relationship, the importance of communication. Um, so in that way, it's really complementary to the work that a lot of the provincial landlord associations also do. Thanks, Andrew. That's a great explanation of the model. Um, can you go back? You mentioned how the courses are adaptable for different populations. Can you explain a bit about what that looks like um, in communities, say, in different sectors? Sure. Yeah. Um... I think one of the things that really struck me is, is um, the diversity of community organizations that have been able to adopt the education um, and the services they provide to, to different people um, can be really, really diverse. It could be anything from uh, a senior center, a high school, an alternative school, uh, transitional housing, a shelter, an employment program, really, really diverse. So the way people deliver services um, changes a fair bit. Um, and I think one of the things we're also really conscious about is that people need to be in the position to absorb the information. So for someone, say, for example, in a shelter, um, if they're currently like looking for housing, they're homeless, um, 
they may not have the capacity to participate in a 12-hour course as much as that would benefit them. Um, and so that's a circumstance where the educator might be, well, hey, a three-hour three course is going to fit what the person needs right now. Um, so having those two courses, I think, really, really helps um, educators determine what's right for the community they serve. Um, definitely, we always want to encourage people that, you know, even if they've taken the basics, come back, do the certificate that really prepares them with, you know, really solid information, skills and confidence. It's going to last them a long time. Um, but we definitely recognize that sometimes that's, you know, it, it's just not the right time for them. So having having that for that versatility, I think, is is important. And so it's one of the ways that I think that we've we've tried to really recognize um, the diversity of people that can benefit from this, as well as the diversity of the educator community um, and, and the different circumstances they're working in. And I understand that the course is uh, available online as well. Yeah, that's right. We also have, yeah, there, there's an online version of the RentSmart certificate course. Um, we're currently just sort of going into um, the second generation of that course, which is really, really exciting. Um, and the online course is, is a little different um, in that it doesn't have um, some of the same group activities that really characterize the, the in-person course. Um, What's great about it is that, again, it's also a really versatile tool, um, but if people are in remote, um, remote situations and they need access to it, sometimes like going to, again, going to a 12-hour in-person course is not the best, the best um, option for people. So being able to take the course online is still really, really useful. Um, it's, you know, it's something that... Um, is also fairly cost effective um, for organizations um, that, that aren't necessarily doing workshops. Uh, if you think about, say, like a university um, or international students um, or people who are moving from one province to another, um, it's a great opportunity. It helps us reach a, a much wider audience. Um, we've also been able to use a certificate course where we've got people who are in, in some situations like staying in shelter and having that certificate really, really could help them if they don't have access to um, an in-person course, being able to take the online course can be a real game changer. And, and um, we've, I think a lot of people have found it really helpful for getting into some of the subsidized, uh, subsidized housing. That's great. Thanks, Andrew. Um, can you give us a story about the RedSmart model um, that kind of exemplifies its success? Sure. Um, I think what I can what I can share is a couple different perspectives. Um, in, in my role as director of operations, um, a lot of a lot of what I'm dealing with is, is talking with people on the phone. So I, I don't necessarily get the same level of individual connection um, as people who are, who are running the courses. Um, but, but definitely there are a couple that stand out. Um, we, we provide support to graduates of the program by phone. Um, and I'm one of the people that will take some of those support calls. Uh, and what I've, what I've noticed um, with those courses is really just such a difference between people who've taken the course and people who haven't. 
um, they're, they're, people who've taken the course really have a massive advantage in it. Their, their problem solving is so much farther ahead. They've, you know, if they're coming and asking us for help with like a specific issue, it's usually something super complicated. Um, but they're able to talk about the steps they've already taken and almost all of them have a really positive, have been able to maintain a really positive and constructive um, relationship with the landlord. Um, and I think what also stands out about a lot of those calls with graduates is that they're not in a crisis situation. They're looking at a situation that, that could potentially become a crisis and they're solving it before it happens. Um, yeah, so I think that's just sort of one of the, one of the observations. Um, we're, we're really fortunate in our, in our current office um, that we've, we have um, with the Capital Region uh, District. Um, our, our building manager um, pops by occasionally if, there, if there's an issue to, for repair. Um, and, and it was really interesting uh, a couple months ago, he was in there to change a couple lights for us. And he remarked that um, he really loved what we, we had to do. There were a number of graduates that live in the housing complex where our office is located. And he spoke so highly about um, the, the people who graduated and, and just had said they were fantastic to deal with and, and amazing tenants. So great to hear that, you know, from that sort of landlord perspective. Um, and I guess I, I also get to speak with, with some of our community educators and I think, um, there, there's an organization in, uh, in Campbell River, um, and they, they actually have three educators, and I've had the opportunity to, to speak with a couple of them, and they run a lot of courses. Um, they do some great co-facilitation, and they're working with people who are dealing with some really, really tough circumstances, um, and they are incredibly articulate about how impactful the, the program is and how it really, really sets up people on the right foot. They're dealing, they're dealing with a lot of people who are coming out of prison as well. So definitely people who are dealing with some tough circumstances and, and they're jumping back into the rental market um, under definitely not enviable circumstances. And they, they've said really that the, the certificate program gives people a great advantage um, and really prepares them in a way to, to be able to put their best foot forward and have some have some really strong success in finding housing. Andrew, could you speak a little bit about how the RentSmart uh, model of education is helping to prevent homelessness and housing instability? So the RentSmart model works in a prevention context in a number of ways. Um, most people who are renting um, are learning how to do it, you know, and, and I think myself included, you're learning how to rent through a process of trial and error. Um, and the consequences of making an error can actually be really, really severe. And um, in some circumstances, you know, it, it, may, it may be that you, you make a mistake that you can't salvage your tenancy. Um, in today's tough, housing crisis, low vacancy rental markets, um, being able to bounce back from errors is really, really difficult. Um, so RentSmart really prepares people. It, it gives people the skills to be able to um, get past a lot of the things that, that oftentimes can be the causes of some of those crises, the things that upset tenancies, um, 
create friction with landlords. Uh, I think one of the one of the things that's really really neat about the course as well is it really gets into a bit of emphasis on the importance of the relationship, uh, the communication skills, um, but also trying to be able to see things from from the landlord's or the tenant's perspective. Right, really helping people develop that that sense of empathy, um, and I think that lets me lets people make more informed decisions. Um, not just about legislation, but also about, you know, how is this going to play out? How is it going to react? Um, so I think that's that's a really key thing. That, that's where the, the model really increases um, housing stability. Um, for people to have the, the certificate to be able to demonstrate that, you know, they've gone through a 12-hour course, they have committed that much time to being able to, to demonstrate that they're a good tenant, um, I think that's really powerful. We've done we've done some surveys with landlords, mainly private market landlords, about like how do they decide which tenant gets it, and a lot of them go on feel, uh, just that sort of interpersonal connection. And so I think people who've got that certificate, they've got that much more confidence. Similar to to how job interviews happen, right? The confidence really translates in a way that people people connect. Um, and feel comfortable with. So again, particularly in today's sort of low vacancy markets, being able to show that certificate really gives people a, a definite advantage. Um, and I think that that that's important generally, but for anyone who's had, you know, if they, if they don't have any references because they're first time renters or they've been evicted, they've had problems with tenancies, um, people need that opportunity for a redemption. Right? They need to be able to bounce back. They need they need to, you know the opportunity to prove themselves. So Andrew, you you sort of touched about the different populations that this uh, model serves. Can you talk a little bit about what what do you see as the root cause of housing instability and homelessness? Um, so I think that's it's an interesting question. I don't know if there there is that I'd say there's one specific root cause of, of housing instability and homelessness. I think there I think there are a few facets and layers to it. Um, definitely, I think um, poverty is is deeply linked. Um, we we have an increasing number of people that are renting and and an increasing number of people who are paying well over 30% of their income. Um, and, and, you know, rents are rising faster than, than wages are rising. Um, and I think that in turn, um, puts increased emphasis on, on some of the interpersonal skills, um, and, and the relationships that people have with their landlords, their ability to, to deal with some of those issues. Um, a lot of people, again, like are, are learning how to rent by trial and error. So, you know, they may not be aware of their their rights and responsibilities or their landlord may not be aware of their rights and responsibilities. But when you've got a positive relationship to be able to find your middle ground, a lot of that really, I think, um, can really prevent tendencies from, you know, for lack of a better word, going south. Um, so, so I think those those communication skills are, are really really important um, for people to be able to understand how they can solve some of those problems and at the same time they also need to be able to understand what what their legal rights and responsibilities are to be able to work within within the act um, and, and I think you know is you know it, it's it's a human thing that, that a lot of us you know we we don't 
we don't make the effort to go and find out about that until it's a problem. Um, after, after something becomes a problem, your options, your options tend to be fewer. Um, and I think that, you know, that's where like the, the work that we do with the RentSmart model has been really, really impactful. It's trying to make sure that people have the, the ability to negotiate some of those, some of those situations. Um, I think that speaks somewhat to, to housing, housing instability. Um, I, I would say, I, I would say that, you know, homelessness is also more complicated than that. Um, as, as someone who's experienced homelessness firsthand and, and, um, you know, in my 27 years as a tenant, um, definitely had some, some instability, um, you know, the, the two things are, are definitely linked, but, but they're also distinct. Um, I think that there are a lot of, lot of other factors with, within homelessness um, that relate to the availability of, of affordable housing. Um, you know, definitely Canada is, is dealing with this. Um, like there, there are a lot, of, a lot of major issues that are blocking us from creating more affordable housing. It's, it takes time. Um, there's an ebb and a flow with the housing market and we see lots, lots of reports um, coming out just recently that are suggesting we're going to have an overabundance of housing stock um, because so much is being built right now. Um, but are we building the right kind of housing and are we building the housing that people can afford? Um, those are also some deeper questions. Um, from having having worked in in frontline organizations for a number of years, I think what I, what I've seen with homelessness is that people are closer to it than than we often realize, um, and, and I think that that affects a lot of people. Um, I worked really specifically in a in a mental health organization, um, and and you know obviously major correlation between homelessness and mental health. Um, but we also see some, some of our systems and institutions like the foster care system, um, some of the healthcare system corrections, um, discharge people into homelessness. Right. Um, and, and the shelter system also, you know, is sometimes it, it's the lifeline people need and sometimes it isn't. Um, so I think, you know, being able to, really identify some of those causes of homelessness. Um, it is complicated. I, th I think we're, we're taking some really positive steps with, with initiatives like, like housing first. Um, but definitely there, there's a long way to go. Thanks, Andrew. Is there any other um, new and exciting initiatives that you can talk about that your org's doing? Yeah, I think there, there's one that I'm um, currently in, in the midst of, uh, in the midst of writing, um, specifically, it's a it's a research report on a tool called a, a risk mitigation fund. Um, it's also called a, a landlord guarantee fund, um, and this is this is a tool that's been used um, a bit more broadly in the United States than Canada. And essentially, what it is is um, if if you got a, a someone who's applying for housing and they're likely to be perceived as a high risk tenant. Um, you know, the, the landlord's looking at them going, Oh, they're, you know, are they going to damage my place? Are they going to skip out on the rent? Um, a risk mitigation fund is essentially like a third party guarantee. 
um, that can cover um, over and above a security deposit um, if there are any claims around um, damages to the unit or uh, rental arrears. Um, so, some of them also cover costs of cost of eviction. Um, and so for a landlord, it sort of provides that financial guarantee that, you know, the risk that they're perceiving, um, there, there's someone else who's going to be able to put up the money. Um, what I what I find really, really exciting about this also is that the, the U.S. funds that have been operating, um, they have very, very few claims. So a lot of the risk that's perceived with these high-risk tenants is never realized. Um, and the tenants get the opportunity to have greater access to different kinds of housing, better housing options, and they have the chance to prove themselves. Um, so they, they've really got a great track record of you know, giving people greater access to housing as well as they're able to establish that reference, right? Some of that redemption that we, we talked about with, uh, with housing instability. Um, so we, we've been really fortunate to have some funding from the Vancouver Foundation uh, through the Fostering Change Initiative. Um, and we've been partnered with uh, Aunt Leah's place um, in the Lower Mainland. And we've been researching some of these models and trying to think about how could we actually implement this here. Uh, we're taking a really, really close look at an organization called RentWell that operates in, in Portland um, and across Oregon. Uh, and they, they're very similar to the work that we do with the RentSmart model as well. It's a, they do a 15-hour um, tenant education course. It's also um, delivered by people in community organizations. So a ton of, a ton of similarities. Um, we're just wrapping up the initial research. It's going to come out in the form of a toolkit. So we're sharing some of that learning with, with other organizations that might be interested. Um, and in it, we're trying to figure out, can we start to pilot it? Can we start to, to do a small scale pilot? Um, expand that to, to a bigger sort of demonstration model, um, trying to figure out what would it take, you know, can we do that um, at a provincial level? And that I think is, is really exciting. This, this hasn't been done in Canada, um, so, so it's a fairly new initiative. What's exciting about that initiative, I think, is, is also that when you look at some of the, the public sector institutions that, that are you know, potentially discharging people into homelessness. Um, this is a tool that, that the public sector could adopt at a really, really large scale. They definitely have the financial resources to be able to do it. With Aunt Leah's place, we're, we're really focusing in um, on trying to move to a pilot that's going to benefit youth who are leaving government care. Um, Number of reasons for that. One, Antlias is an awesome organization. Um, they've, they've been a longstanding RentSmart uh, educator organization delivering the course. Um, and then they do some really, really important work with um, youth who've exited government care as well as, as moms in transition. Um, youth who are leaving government care don't have that family support. Right? They sort of hit that, that 18, 18, birthday and then they're on their own. Um, so being able to have someone uh, who's able to say, hey, this person's going to be a great tenant. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we believe that so strongly. We're going to put the money there um, is really important. Through the, through the course of the research, we did uh, a couple focus groups with some of the youth from Aunt Leah's and they really, really like got the whole concept so quickly 
and and were really really articulate that you know this this would make a huge difference for them in being able to access housing um, and have a measure of, of sort of security stability and support that they don't have otherwise um, so I think yeah very excited to uh, hopefully we're we're announcing a, a pilot very very soon we'll have the initial research report and toolkit is, is going to be coming out um, in the next couple weeks um, so yeah and, and we, we hope other people will We'll look at that, learn from it, um, and, and absolutely something we're, we're looking to, to partner and collaborate on as, as we start to grow this in Canada. That sounds like a really exciting initiative. We'll definitely link um, all of the resources and information in the, show, in the show notes as well. So you mentioned Antlias and what an um, involved and impactful organization they are. Looking around the sector, do you have other examples of organizations that are doing great work? We, we work with about 300 organizations, um, all of whom are d- doing some pretty amazing work. Um, my, my background um, prior to Ready to Rent was, was predominantly in employment-focused programs and, and really specifically in, uh, in social enterprise. Um, so it's, it's been kind of cool to see some of the organizations um, and, and social enterprises I'm familiar with um, becoming part of the educator community, um, one specifically that that stands out who who I'm really fond of is is um, a social enterprise called Build, and they're located in Winnipeg, um, and they uh, they seek contracts. Uh, they have a lot of contracts, I believe, with uh, Manitoba Housing, um, so they're providing people with hands-on skills training in sort of carpentry and construction. Uh, and they're getting the opportunity to learn those skills, getting paid for it, as well as um, in that they also they also get some great life skills. And they, I think, um, just in this past year, um, became became an educator organization and been running some courses. So it's, it's been really cool to see like that that organization doing doing that amazing work, um, starting to incorporate this. Um, and and from my background in, in employment services too, like. Lots of people, when when they're moving back into the labor market, when they're when they're getting a new job, um, lots of people get tripped up by by issues with housing. Um, oftentimes, you know, they're getting a paycheck, so they're moving, and they're moving into a new new tenancy. Um, and definitely, like there, there's there's a really strong connection there. Um, and uh, in uh, 2016, I was at the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, the the conference in Winnipeg, um, and actually went to go and uh, went to go and tour the the social enterprise sector where where Build is located. So I actually got to go and see it firsthand. So yeah, it was just totally like social enterprise nerding out. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, we were hoping you could talk a bit about um, lessons learned with such a big, fast expansion across the country. Sure, um, I, I think. The model has a really interesting history where it, it really just started out as, as a small program that was just delivered in Victoria. Um, and it was working really well. And, and there we got more and more demand from other places. You know, can we come and deliver a course here? Can we come and deliver a course there? Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't cost effective. And that was what really initiated the, 
the train the trainer model. Um, so instead of going and delivering a course for people, we're teaching them how to deliver it themselves. Um, beyond just the simple logistics of being able to then put it in a lot of people's hands, that also really values um, all of the expertise that, that each individual educator has in delivering the course and tailoring it to their community. So we, we also collect feedback from, from educators um, who are running courses as well as the, the people who the, are receiving tenant or landlord education. Um, and that feedback also really helps us um, find other ways um, that, we can, that we can improve the course. Um, one of the things I think, you know, that, that came out of that, for example, was, you know, the need to develop the online course. That was a really specific need. And so I think that that's a good example of lessons learned. Um, one of the things I think that's been really interesting is also we, we've sort of really traditionally worked in, you know, we have a lot of educators in sort of housing in the housing sector as well as in housing providers. Um, and we've been seeing more and more uptake um, in, in other sectors, including settlement and employment. And, and it really, really fits, fits there. Um, you know, as I said before, delivering a 12 hour course is no small feat. Um, and I think we're also, we also get some really interesting feedback from educators who, you know, there's part of the course that is helping them in their day-to-day -day work. We have a lot of people that, you know, they're not doing necessarily a lot of group work. They're doing one-on-one -on -one work, um, but they're using, they're using a lot of the knowledge they've gained through the educator course. So I think, you know, lessons learned, um, definitely we're, we're still, um, trying to better understand how we can award certificates to people who are delivering the course one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's that's a big priority for us um, because definitely a lot of people are doing it and and the certificate is a big part of big part of that model. Um, so rather than like trying to prevent people or force them to do something that, that isn't that, that isn't easy for them to do, we're trying to understand, you know, what are the barriers that we can take out of the way so that they can really deliver the course in the way that's most impactful for their community um, and just really supports the the manner in which they do, they do their work day to day. That's great. For people who are listening and um, want to learn more or possibly even implement in their own organizations, how do they get in contact with you? Um, they can contact us through um, through the website. Um, all the staff uh, emails are there. And we have a contact form as well if people want to email. Um, also, just really encourage people, um, you know, pick up the phone if they've got some questions. Um, sometimes we're talking with individual organizations or, or a staff person about what their needs are, and, and we can really help them understand how this fits. We can let them know when the next training's coming up. Um, if there isn't a training coming up, sometimes, you know, that those conversations are, are what, um, what helps us in, in working with uh, a group or a community to, to understand how we can bring a training to them. Um, and currently we're, we're in, uh, the programs operating in British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, and Ontario. Um, I think we're, we're hoping to have some big announcements coming up very soon. Um, but yeah, we're, we're always interested in hearing from individuals, organizations, communities, uh, and even provinces or territories about um, you know, how, how they see this fitting in. And um, we're pretty good at finding a way to make it work. 
That's great, Andrew. Um, so just wrapping up here, the last question we like to ask every guest is, um, what does home mean to you? Okay. Um, that's, that's a deep question. You know, when, it, when I saw the the question, I, I it was a really nice moment to sort of to sort of pause. I, I'm a new dad, so I think you know, for me, home home has this recently has taken on this whole new um, new dimension. Um, a, a little segue, I think. I, I've also really always been struck by the indigenous definition of homelessness as being much more than than the built environment. That really, you know, it's it's um, connection to community, spirituality, place, um, and so I think for me, um, home home is really about both a, a sort of um, spiritual, emotional. Um, connection to soul a sense of security a sense of belonging um like it's something that you physically feel you know when you're there and you know when it feels right thank you andrew that's great yeah thank you thank for you joining know. us today oh thank you guys i really enjoyed enjoyed talking with you and, and sharing a bit about uh some of the work that we do Thanks to the Vancouver Foundation for their support of this podcast.